Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. Now it's time for Spotlight Star Wars with your host, Ken Knapsack. It's episode 118 of Spotlight Star Wars, the end of an impromptu Obi-Wan Kenobi week here on Four Center. We kind of started it with Joseph Scrimshaw taking a deep dive on Star Wars counseling into the truth and lies and points of view that are in the story of Kenobi and specifically what he told Luke Skywalker. Joseph understands Obi-Wan Kenobi perhaps better than anyone I know. It was insightful. 
So we followed that up with, well, the cutest moments in Star Wars, which was my Star Wars ranked. All right, so they didn't have anything to do with Kenobi directly. I didn't get the memo yet. But Kenobi appreciated all living creatures in Star Wars. I mean, he, you know, Eopies, Dubaks, Veractals. He and Boga had a, a strong connection very early on. So I think Kenobi would have appreciated all the cute animals and creatures uh, we talked about on that Star Wars rank. Then the main show took a deep dive into the life and times of Kenobi. Databank Brawl, Commander Cody versus R4, P17, two characters with close connections to Obi-Wan. So here... On this Spotlight Star Wars, I want to continue what I was doing last time out, which was taking the Return of the Jedi novel off the shelf, written by James Caan, not that one, but James Caan in 1983, uh, released in 1983, I should say, screenplay by Lawrence Kasdan and George Lucas, of course, is what this book was based on, the script in story by George Lucas. So there's always some insights. And there's always some things, because this book is, well, you know, it's considered canon, but like they always say, if the, something in the movies or now the shows changes or supersedes or replaces what's put forth in the novel, then always go with the movies or the shows. But this book still remains and has some interesting revelations, as we learned with Mon Mothma last time out. The revelations were, well, kind of nothing new. It looks as though... The creators of modern Star Wars went back to the pages, went back to the beginning to really build a lot of the stories, not just of Mon Mothma, but of the rebellion, the formation of the rebellion, and all those things that we've seen play out in Star Wars Rebels, Clone Wars, uh, a little bit. And then, um, you know, that movie called Rogue One with Mon Mothma back, front and center, with Admiral Radis, General Draven, Jandodana. So, in keeping with this, Obi-Wan Kenobi theme and keeping with this going back into the novel because I have some some other things I want to talk about too. I wanted to go to that Dagobah scene in the novel. Now again, on Star Wars Counseling, Joseph covered a lot of the stuff around Kenobi's uh, message to Lucas' point of view. So I don't want to dive into that. I don't want to take the take that away. That 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 was that's already out there. Let's talk about just some of the little things and some of the changes that they made and and could it have you know, could it have still worked if Lucas kept with his own canon, something he wasn't always apt to do. What I love here, though, I'm looking at page 61 of this novel. Follow at home, kids. Follow at home. I have the paperback version. I don't know if there's a hardback hardback version. I don't know. Hard. I don't know. Paperback for me. Uh, when Yoda died, there's always I always love this uh, when it pops up, this little, this little description when it pops up. Yoda dies, and Luke's sitting there, a great weight of hopelessness settled upon him just as all the lights in the little cottage flickered out for several more minutes. He sat there, feeling it was the end of everything, that all the lights in the universe had flickered out. And it says this, The last Jedi sitting in a swamp while the entire galaxy plotted the last war. I love that. I love when that little description pops up. The last Jedi. It is definitely Skywalker. So Obi-Wan shows up, but it's interesting. They definitely say, you know, the image of Obi-Wan Kenobi was standing behind him. But I love that Luke here still says Ben. I love that during the original trilogy, it was Ben. That's how Luke would know him. It's like, I don't know, your friend, a friend has a nickname. Well, look at me. Look at my full name is Kenneth. Hello, I'm Kenneth. I used to be called Kenny. Then I turned eight. Now I'm Ken. So imagine if I introduced 
myself to you on a desert planet and I was your mentor and you called me Ken the entire time and suddenly was like, oh, you're talking about Kenneth Knapsack, the great Jedi. You'd probably still call me Ken. So I love that Luke still sees him as Ben. Names are, are important. We've talked about it on the main show. Great stuff. Luke using the, 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 the name Darth Sidious and not Palpatine. Uh, Yoda calling him young Skywalker. Master Skywalker, Luke, all those kind of things in Last Jedi. It's important, those names. So I love that he calls him uh, Ben still here. There's a lot going on in Luke's mind uh, about the the anger. He, he really is angry. And it even says at one point, Luke turned unresponsive. This is right after Kenobi says, you're going to find that the many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on your own point of view. On our own, on our own point of view, uh, Luke Luke turned unresponsive. He wanted to hold on to his fury, to guard it like a treasure. It was all he had. He would not let it be stolen from him, as everything else had been stolen. Talks a lot about Luke's mindset. He's definitely related to Anakin. That anger, the anger we see again in Kylo Ren yelling "traitor!" It tracks. It goes all the way back. It is a threat. Whereas Leia, she definitely has a little bit more of uh, Padme's genetics there. Calm, cool, collected, strong, and in lead. In the lead of, uh, of, of movements and uh, countries and worlds. You know what I'm saying there. So I love what's going on here, there. And, and there's some uh, changes. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm trying to look at Lucas's point of view. He's got it when he comes to Phantom Menace. This idea of Qui-Gon Jinn. Qui-Gon Jinn, back in 99, pops up. And we all are excited for Liam Neeson. We are all curious as to who he is. We know Kenobi would have a master at some point. He was an apprentice, uh, or as we soon learned, a Padawan learner. So that was never the problem. But Luke, Lucas really does change what he says. And, 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 it, and it's in Return of the Jedi. It's not just revelations here from the novel. But when I first encountered your father, he was already a great pilot. But what amazed me was how strongly the Force was with him. I took it upon myself to train Anakin in the ways of the Jedi. My mistake was thinking as I could as be as good a teacher as Yoda. I was not. Such was my foolish pride. The Emperor sensed Anakin's power and he lured him to the dark side. So that's all true. That That doesn't change at all. But this idea of, of Qui-Gon being inserted in that story, and we know when, when a Ben says, I took it upon myself to train Anakin in the ways of the Jedi, that's not wrong. And if you're George Lucas looking at that, you know Kenobi has a master. Is it more powerful for this all to be on Kenobi? Potentially. Potentially. But there is something I really like in the character of Qui-Gon constantly thinking outside the box, the box being the Jedi Order and the ways of the Jedi. Maybe even more specifically, not so much the Order, but the ways of the High Jedi Council. And to me, it's an interesting dynamic. And we talked a little bit about it on the main show, but it's an interesting dynamic of, of, you know, I kind of view Kenobi as a little bit of a golden boy, a poster child for the Jedi Order. Someone who's not afraid to, to lead armies and be in action, though that might sometimes conflict with the way of the Jedi, the true way of the Jedi. But he is also going to hold the line. 
is going to hold the line. So I like when wrinkles pop up in that. I love the wrinkle of Duchess Satine. Kenobi did love. He did have some sort of attachment. He overcame that. He didn't, he didn't give into that, but he would have. That's the big confession. I would have left if you had asked me. And Satine never asked him. Says a lot about her character. Not just, you know, what it did for him, but what that would have done for her. She had, she had her own kind of order and code to, to adhere to her beliefs as a political leader. And maybe also the respect for Kenobi. Now you, I know, you, I know you'd quit and follow me. That's not best for both of us. So that's probably why she didn't ask. But I love the tension between Qui-Gon and Kenobi. It's one of my favorite little things that the Phantom Menace revealed. Qui-Gon is on the outside a lot. I think he is a great Jedi. He's not gray. We don't like that term, gray Jedi. He is a Jedi. He is a Jedi, but it's okay to disagree. That thing of the dogmatic, narrow view of the Jedi uh, is a True from a certain point of view, Palpatine's point of view. He's not necessarily wrong. Not necessarily wrong. Go to Ahsoka Tano being kicked out of the Jedi Order. I love that scene when she leaves, but I love the scene right before it. When all of our favorite Jedis from that era, including Plo Koon, who discovered her, and Kiati Mundi, Mace Windu, Yoda, they're all like, hey, sorry about that, Ahsoka. I guess we should have believed you had some point, evidence certainly mounting against you. We're, hey, we're sorry about that. Come back in. You passed your, tu- you passed your trials. We're sorry we had such a narrow view. Ahsoka might have, might have believed a little bit of that, too. So Qui-Gon definitely is in that vein. And that rebellious nature does kind of rub off on Kenobi, but Kenobi has to learn. I love that Kenobi is against the idea, initially, of even picking up Anakin, very dismissive of it, very dismissive of, dismissive of it, but it just adds, adds that tension. It adds even more worth, in my mind, to the relationship that develops between Anakin and Kenobi. That connection, that brotherhood, wasn't always easy. It wasn't by this real simple choice. Oh, hey, you're strong in the force. I'm going to train you. I was picked up at six months and taken to begin my training. You're a little older, but you're good. You're wizard. We're going to train you. No, I like that Kenobi's like, I don't see it. I don't see it. But then to honor Qui-Gon, he took it upon himself to train Anakin in the ways of the Jedi. He was going to do it. Qui-Gon was going to do it where they said yes, sir. Qui-Gon was going to have a, basically a secret apprentice. Kenobi, you're my official Padawan, but I'm going to give half, uh, half the uh, research books. I'm going to sneak them to that kid, Anakin. So I think Kenobi would have committed to that, too, out of respect for Qui-Gon. But then that, to me, adds weight to the relationship with Anakin later on. They grew to have that connection. I'm not saying every friendship needs to start with conflict, but it works for me. And if I'm George Lucas and I'm looking at this and I'm... Not that George did this. I, I think that's. I think George just sits. I think it's all in his head sometimes in his little spiral notebooks. I don't think he's doing what I'm doing when he sits down to write the Phantom Menace, or as he called it at the beginning, Part One, or whatever it was. I don't think he's looking at this. And though I sometimes wish, and I do think it's fair, I do wish the Phantom Menace focused a little bit more 
on Obi-Wan. He is passive at times. He is. He is just sitting back with the Queen's wardrobe. I get that complaint. But I think it picks up and it becomes Anakin and Obi-Wan's uh, story, or at least in part, by Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Very happy with my Obi-Wan after that. But yeah, in The Phantom Menace, I get it. But he has a big moment. He has to learn, though. This is a little bit more about Qui-Gon and his beliefs. Qui-Gon is an important character in the Star Wars story. He's grown into that as well. Things with the becoming the Force Ghost. The stuff Lucas did set up there. So I like this there. There's nothing, no big revelation other than Kenobi saying my pride had terrible consequences for the entire galaxy. And Luke was entranced, it says, uh, that Obi-Wan's hubris could have caused his father's fall was horrible. One of my favorite words, hubris, and as we learned in Last Jedi, also one of Luke Skywalker's favorite words, and it shows up again here. So the big things in this section, things we talked about, is the revelations of Luke's upbringing, and the differences in Lucas's approach in his mind uh, of of Padme, what he eventually would would turn into Padme, and the story. And it's it's perhaps I think the most famous gaff, other than the stormtrooper hitting his head, which is just a blooper. Lucas choosing to ignore or find a different way to look. Again, the point of view of Leia saying in Return of the Jedi that she did remember her her mother, her real mother. All right. Revenge of the Sith, at the end of it, I do remember it. That's one of the first thoughts I had. Huh. I guess Leia, I guess Leia was wrong. So is this version better? Is this version better? Let's take a look. Let's take a look. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Ben continued his narrative. When your father left, he didn't know your mother was pregnant. So right there, that's a big change. Padme reveals it. Anakin knows. You know, they say when your father left, it's, it's vague. That tracks. He's, uh, he's leaving to turn to the dark side, I guess. <laughs> your mother and I knew he would find out eventually, but we wanted to keep you both as safe as possible for as long as possible. So I took you to live with my brother, Owen, on Tatooine. That's the big reveal, the big change, one of the big changes. And your mother took Leia to live as the daughter of Senator Organa on Alderaan. Now, flashback here, the novel actually goes into how Luke sensed it. Luke resisted this knowledge at first. He neither needed nor wanted a twin. He was unique. He had no missing parts save the hand, whose mechanical replacement he now flexed tightly. Pawn in a castle conspiracy. Cribs mixed. Siblings switched and parted and whisked away to different secret lives. Impossible. He knew who he was. He was Luke Skywalker, born to a Jedi-turned-Sith Lord, raised on Tatooine by Uncle Owen and Emperor, raised in a life without frills, a hard-working, honest pauper. Because his mother, his mother, what was it about his mother? What had he said? What had she said? Who, who was she? What had she told him? He turned his mind inward to a place in time far from the damp soil of Dagobah, to his mother's chamber, his mother and his sister, his sister, Leia. Leia is my sister. I love that insight into Luke's, Luke's mind. Now, does that change a little bit? Yes. Is he now going back to somehow with the force to his uh, uh, literal <laughs> entrance into this galaxy on Polis Massa? Sure, but hey, as we've seen with the Force, it's pretty cosmic, man. It's heavy stuff, man. I, I trust that the Force could take Luke there in that moment. I, I could trust it. But let's talk about this idea here of does it? how much does it change the story if this stays as is? And mind you, from 1983 to... Well, I guess Attack of the Clones is where 2002 is when we really got this change. I was all I was the one at, at the lunch table at school or around the office water cooler. Actually, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi was the brother of Owen. Uh, they kept it secret. I liked that wrinkle. I did like it. It was a fun detail. 
But, and, and I guess in a way, too, by the way, this question of, well, you're hiding Luke Skywalker from Anakin Skywalker. Uh, you're going to take him to Anakin's birth, place of birth, all that stuff. I still contend that Luke, for most of his life, was probably known as Luke Lars, even though in other parts of canon and comics and books, now whatever. I think I, I think just if you get into that story and play it out, I think at some point he is called Luke Lars, identifies as Luke Lars, but knows. I think Luke knows he is Luke Skywalker. But Owen Lars probably said, "Hey, keep it keep it close to the chest, kid." You know what I mean? Does it change it? Do we like this idea that Kenobi is Owen's? brother I kind of do I kind of do I kind of missed it it was a little jarring for me you know Luke's now being raised by just some rando on Tatooine well we know it's not rando it's now connected directly to Anakin through his mother which again does it make it is it more hiding Luke in plain sight yeah I think it is I don't think Vader even though he does go back at times, especially in the comics, stands before Jabba, um, takes a little tour around Tatooine. Yeah, I, I don't think during the 20-year time uh, between Sith and New Hope, I don't think Vader was always going to be, you know, find it easy to go back to Tatooine. Vader's at war with himself. He's constantly reminded of his past. He's constantly trying to defeat his past. I think that is why... He once she found uh, he found her existence. He really wants to destroy Ahsoka. And then when it's exposed, when his face is exposed, he's looking at Ahsoka. And it's like it's almost Anakin at that point, not Vader. I think he's scared of Tatooine until he's sure of who he is, or at least he thinks he is. So this idea of plain sight works for me, and that's why I think I do understand Lucas's change. I think there's just more. It's a it's a more powerful choice. It's a more powerful choice because then we put Anakin on Tatooine because he could have been something else. If it's if it's Uncle Owen uh, and it's actually Brother Owen, I should say, of Kenobi, then that has more to do with Kenobi's upbringing. When now we know he's from the planet Stujan. That's not what, oh not not the case back then. Lucas hadn't decreed that on on a talk show in front of John Stewart yet. So then it shifts a little bit more to. Kenobi, where to me, I like taking the deeper dive into Uncle Owen being more connected into the Skywalker family. And then he knows, as it says, as we discuss, you know, as they discuss, it should say, A New Hope, the idea, I think, you know, the idea of uh, Anakin being a little more, a little more connected to uh, uh, Owen and Baru and running off to join, you know, Kenobi on a damn fool idealistic crusade. I think that's 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 interesting stuff, but it's not as mystical. And if Anakin is the chosen one, as George Lucas believes, Obi Wan would disagree. But uh, you know, now at least. But I I think it's more mystical to have it all go through the Skywalker side and then have Kenobi even give up more of himself to sit on Tatooine and guard Luke. And now there's, 
you know, now there's a different kind of tension. There'd be some tension if he was if it was his brother. But then it it really does become Kenobi is this interloper. He's he's it's it, he is a weird wizard at this point. Owen knows who he is. Owen Owen knows what's going on. Owen, there's a lot of strength in the character of Owen Lars that I think, you know, got a lot of credit for. Now we know stories from a certain point of view, some of the comics. He took it serious to protect Luke as well. He knew the stakes. Baru knew the stakes. Baru's softer and loving and more the mother figure, obviously. But Owen, as crusty as he is, burning under those twin sons, he wanted to do it himself and felt it was good to keep Obi-Wan away. And I think that is works better to me when they're not related. Then it becomes a weird family drama. Come on, brother. You gave me this kid. What are you doing to me? What are you doing to me? But I love the stuff here about, about Leia. The Organa family was highborn and politically quite powerful in the system. Leia became a princess by virtue of lineage. No one knew she had been adopted, of course, but it was a title without real power since Alderaan had long been a democracy. Even so, the family continued to be politically powerful, and Leia, following in her foster pa- father's path, became a senator as well. That's not all she became, of course. She became the leader of her cell in the Rebel Alliance against the Corrupt Empire. Because she had diplomatic immunity, she was a vital link for getting information to the Rebel cause. That's what she was doing when her path crossed yours. Her foster parents had always told her to contact me on Tatooine if her troubles became desperate. So a lot of that's changed, but there's some stuff that's there in the core. So, again, let's compare. Is it is it better? Is it is it worse? Is it a push? I am intrigued. And maybe it's because I, you know, grew up reading this and grew up seeing Return of the Jedi in uh, real time, so to speak. I do sometimes wish there was a little bit more with Padme and Leia. Was she one? Was she two? Was she three when she died? Leia could have had more of a connection. But, and then even though this has, been, this has changed, um, no one knew she'd been adopted, of course, but she was, uh, it was a title about real power. That we know, Leia, Princess of princess of alderaan directly changes that and that great scene with uh, the former captain panaka now the local regional uh, imperial governor of course panaka is intrigued by the news that leia is adopted and leia says it's no secret it was actually celebrated on alderaan that kind of thing is celebrated in our culture so that's a change in and of itself i think there's more it's more realistic to say they kept it secret but but is it but is it Especially now, the way, you know, Bail Organa and Bray Organa look, Leia doesn't really look like them. So is that more realistic to be like, no, that's our daughter. What happened? Uh, you know, Milkman came by. It's all good. Don't ask. Don't ask. No, I, I think this idea that Leia didn't know who she was in the sense of where she came from, which she, that needed to happen, but that Leia had a, had a sense of, of self-confidence and assurance and belief because of who she was, which was adopted, which was adopted. I think that brings its own power to the character of Leia. But I do think the opportunity to have the woman we now know as Padme, I don't know, as a secret handmaiden, watching over Leia for a little bit, that's, that's not, it's not bad to me. If Lucas had stuck with a little bit of that, I'd be okay. But a lot of what else is here about Leia stays the same. Uh, um, the being a leader of her cell, 
We know the formation of the rebellions based on separate cells. That always was the case, but now it's just a lot more highlighted. And then Rogue One changes a lot of this thing here. That's what she was doing with her, her path across with yours. For her foster parents, she'd always told her to contact me on Tatooine if her troubles became desperate. I think you have to change that one, the way the story goes now, modern story, stories. And, and Lucas didn't change that one. And we're trying to focus on a lot of the, the changes that Lucas himself made from Jedi going back to the prequels. Rogue One, modern Star Wars kind of has to change. And that kind of makes sense. The Battle of Scarif plays out. Leia escapes and thinks, all right, we're in trouble. Are we near Tatooine? Aha, there's someone on Tatooine my parents always said to go to. He used to fight in the Clone Wars. Um, let's go to him. All right, that's not bad. That's not bad. But Mothma, Bale, having that scene, which is a little cheeky at times, it's a little on the nose, it's a little looking at the crowd going, right, we all know who uh, we're sending uh, Leia to. I'm still fine with it, though, in story. I think it actually is fun. I, I, Star Wars can be fun, don't forget. Uh, I, I like that Mothma, who was around during these times, would be like, hey, Bale, look, we're in trouble. Could you go get your friend? Remember that friend you always talked about? Don't know where he is. Seems to be hanging out, probably at some bars drinking. Do you mind getting him? Bale's saying, well, yes, I have just the person to do it. I think there's a little bit more to that as well. So, again, I think Lucas is okay. Uh, uh, Lucas didn't make the change, but I think Lucas is okay. All that starts to change when the prequels pop up and Padme is not with Leia. So, is the Kenobi story drastically changed? Is it drastically better on these pages? This is some of the biggest changes in canon in the Star Wars story, things you grew up. This isn't like reading the New Hope novel uh, and going, well, you know, Luke was actually in Blue Squadron and he dated this girl named Cammie. Those are little side details. Rogue One, you know, paid great homage to the Blue Squadron. I love that. And and Cammie doesn't mean Cammie didn't exist. She exists. And the last Jedi novelization excellently uses that character. Excellently makes her Luke's wife in another life that he could have had if he didn't choose to get involved. He necessarily didn't have a choice as much back in the day, but come Last Jedi, he had a choice, and he had pulled himself away, and the Force needed to slap him upside this head and say, here's the life you would have had, and it was a great way to bring Cammy back into the story. So those aren't the, those aren't the changes. This is like some of the biggest changes. And the character of Kenobi as presented here is... It's a little bit more tragic in a way. I think he feels he feels responsible as we know it now, but this is there's just some more direct stuff, and it seems as though Kenobi took some of this up on himself. Not that we can't assume he didn't tell Bale and Yoda, hey, I'm gonna go to tattooing to my brother. But I like what we get. I think Lucas keeping the power and magic and the epicness of this myth intact made some good changes to his own story in the prequels. Padme dying in childbirth also makes more sense to me. How it happened, I am always, you know, I'm up for good theory on why Padme died. I don't think, uh, I don't think it is, Everything to do with Palpatine. I don't think Palpatine is... I think he's using it as a lie. Uh, 
um, the whole Palpatine taking her life force and everything. It's 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 interesting. I don't fully buy it, but Padme dying. I don't know. I think her. I think it's okay for me. I actually like because I, I I think it's it works, and then it makes more sense for Kenobi to be part of this, and he's out there serving, still in a way serving the Jedi Order. It's his last mission as a Jedi because he still is a Jedi. Yes, he's hiding, much like you know Kanan Jarrus is uh, at, during the same time. Um, much like a lot of other Jedi, but all those other Jedi are running, hiding, having to change who they are. Kenobi is still on a mission. And I think that's way more powerful to the character of Kenobi versus, I made some mistakes, Anakin fell, uh, me and your mom decided, all right, we got to do something here. I don't know what happened to her. I guess she died. <laughs> I've been out here on Tatooine with you, watching you, Luke, with my brother. Yeah, as a favor. Can you watch the kids uh, this this weekend? Uh, I'm going to be in a hut over here. I like it being tied into something bigger. And what is bigger is Kenobi, that golden boy. And I don't say it in a bad way. That could be taken bad. But that true Jedi, keeping to who he is, keeping uh, with an edict from Yoda and a plan with Bale. And in my mind, I think Bale and Kenobi had to have communicated at some point. Had to have communicated at some point between uh, the end of Revenge of the Sith up to Rogue One and, and, and New Hope. It just makes some sense to me. Kenobi and Yoda... Through the force, I think they got to be careful. I think even, even if you could pull up some book right now from a certain point of view or something, say, yeah, yeah, they did talk. I, I can't remember off the top of my head right now as I record, but I still think you got to be careful. You start communicating through the force, Palpatine, Vader, Snoke, kidding, are going to be like, hmm, we're sensing something. There's a reason... Vader picks up on it right away on the Death Star. Sense something. A presence I've not felt since. Is it Mustafar and Sith, or is it some other time? Ah, we might never know with that Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. So whereas the character of Mon Mothma was established pretty strongly in this novel in 1983, and the line was kept, the course stayed with Mon Mothma, a minor character, but an important character, Kenobi being so big and important to the Star Wars story, Lucas felt he needed to make these changes, and there's more there. I don't want to just sit here and turn this into an audiobook. You all know you can go to the uh, to audible.com and uh, get your free Four Center audiobook. I don't believe, we'll have to double check, I don't believe these ones are on, but they should be. Maybe I'll just read them. Um, there's a lot of stuff here, man. Luke's anger. Obi-Wan saying... Excuse me, Ben, technically saying, I don't blame you for being angry. If I, if I was wrong in what I did, it certainly wouldn't have been the first time. So you see what happened to your father was my fault. And then, of course, it talks a lot about how the final thing we should discuss is does talk a lot about the actual fight. This is always the exciting part. Um, 
You should not think of that machine as your father. When I saw what had become of him, I tried to dissuade him, to draw him back from the dark side. We fought. Your father fell into a molten pit, and your father clawed his way out of the fiery pool. The change had been burned into him forever. He was Darth Vader without a trace of Anakin Skywalker. Irredeemably dark, scarred, kept alive only by machinery and his own black will. So that's the other thing. And the final note here is we talk about Kenobi, as he was maybe originally envisioned in the story, not the original vision back with the, in the Star Wars and the adventures of Luke Starkiller, but the Star Wars that we know. There were some changes. Lucas needed or felt he needed to make these changes. And I'm not going too deep into it, but I think you can see, I think I agree with the changes he made. Qui-Gon adds a wrinkle, and just Qui-Gon's a great character, adds a wrinkle to what Kenobi had to do or felt he had to do and then what he learned. Yeah, Padme dies and it changes something fundamentally in the story of Leia and changes her memory. But again, the Force is pretty magical, man. Peace, love, and cosmic force, dudes. And I like that as well. And I don't think at this point I would be happy with Kenobi's brother being Owen Lars. I like the tension there of this interloper on his final mission. And a farmer, a humble farmer, overlooked probably by a lot of the galaxy, on a faraway dusty planet, he and Baru hold the line as well. They're not part of the Jedi Order, but they understand their mission. I think that is stronger when they aren't related. But Lucas, written by, as written by James Kahn here, Lucas had already always had this idea of Vader, lava, molten pits, and something different crawling out of it. It's very supervillain-esque, and I like it. And I remember reading that back in 1983 and like eight years old, closing my book and like hand on my head like I was a, pretending to be an adult businessman. Wow. I wonder what that was like. I wonder what that was like. And I don't think Lucas changed that. I think he stuck the landing there. Some of the details are a little different, of course. High grounds and whatnot. And we talked about it on the main show. Obi-Wan walking away. How come he didn't finish the job there? Could he have ha had? Did he just feel he did finish the job? Did he want to? He just couldn't bring himself to kill Anakin? Maybe some more mistakes made by Obi-Wan and things that he's rolling around and mulling in his brain all that time on Tatooine. Hmm. But I remember in 2005 seeing Revenge of the Sith, seeing the trailers, seeing the trailers, and knowing that we got some, we got some lava coming. We got a planet of lava, and immediately my excitement went through the roof because I felt we are finally going to get what I had read about in 1983. And I think it works. The fight's long. The fight's crazy. There's some things I look at and go, okay, well, Anakin's jumping off and landing on little floating robots. All right, that's, that's some accuracy help, with by the, help by the force. Yeah, there's some of that stuff. But it, overall, that's what like nearly, it seems like 30 minutes, and it's a good 30 minutes to me, and that is some of Ewan McGregor's best work. I think some of Hayden's as well. Some of the lines a little clunky, some of the delivery, but I think that's Anakin. But I 
believe, Obi-Wan, in that moment. You were my brother. That was earned, not just some simple choice. That was earned. You were the chosen one. That was earned. And it so caused a sense of doubt in Obi-Wan that he changed who he thought the uh, chosen one was. And I think, I, think it's, I think that's important. I think it's important. Look, Obi-Wan really saw what had happened and his mistakes. And maybe it feels good to believe Luke was the chosen one in Obi-Wan's mind. So that was there. That's in the novel. There's more. Next time out, I think we're going to focus on Vader's final moments, which then become Anakin's final moments. Some of the, some of the sweetest stuff in Star Wars, I will say. Some good stuff. If you've never read it, maybe pick up the novel somewhere, go to a used bookstore and try to read it before the next episode of Spotlight Star Wars. We're going to go to Anakin's final moments. But that is Spotlight Star Wars for this week. It's just me. You know how the show works. It's a monologue from me to you. And what that means is sometimes I'm working through my thoughts too. I'm exposing my Star Wars fan brain with you here on Spotlight Star Wars, and I hope you enjoy the ride. You can follow Force Center Pod at all the spots and let me know what you think about Kenobi, what he could have been, and what Kenobi was by the time Lucas had a chance to write that out and present that to us fans who had all read the novel and had some questions. Before we go, though, in keeping with the theme of the week, it's a special in memoriam with a person very close to the heart of Obi-Wan Kenobi. We'll see you next time. She was born into a culture of war, but used her position of leadership to bring about peace. She challenged the status quo, the Republic, and even the Jedi. Today, we pay our respects to Duchess Satine Cries. When Satine became the Duchess of Mandalore sometime before the Trade Federation's blockade of Naboo, she wasted little time in leading the movement away from Mandalore's brutal past of violence and war. She did so despite the risk it brought her own safety. As the Civil War broke out, she spent a year on the run and under the protection of a young Jedi Padawan named Obi-Wan Kenobi. It was then that they formed a bond and love that lasted a lifetime, but could never come to pass. Satine was resolute as she was elegant, as profound as she was alluring, and unbreakable as she was beautiful. She was a revered and respected leader of her people as she led the recovery out of the traumatic Civil War that cost many Mandalorian lives. Satine became devoted to pacifism, never again wanting to see so much bloodshed amongst her people. What followed was a period of great revival, growth, and prosperity for Mandalore, a new age for an old world. But the shadow of war crept over the world Satine helped rebuild. The Clone Wars had begun. Satine was committed to staying out of the conflict, but a splinter cell of Mandalorians called the Death Watch, survivors of the expelled and self-proclaimed descendants of the great warriors of Mandalore, began working against her and her vision of a peaceful world. This brought about an unexpected reunion between Satine and Kenobi. Though happy to see him again, Satine did not move away from her position of neutrality nor failed to challenge the notion that Jedi taking military rank was out of touch with the Order's beliefs. The situation soon exploded and Satine's safety was again at risk. Kenobi was once again there at her side 
but she was a pawn in a greater plan, and nothing could keep her safe from the man called Maul. The twisted, broken rival of Kenobi murdered Satine in front of the Jedi Knight. It was a tragic end to such a peaceful presence in a violent galaxy. Her final words were a confirmation of her eternal love for Kenobi. Duchess Satine was gone, but her legacy lived on. Thanks for listening to Spotlight Star Wars on Force Center. Follow us on Twitter at Force Center Pod and follow Ken online, including Twitch, at Ken Knapsack. Consider supporting Force Center on Patreon at patreon.com slash forcecenter. Go to forcecenterpod.podomatic.net for more information and use the hashtag Spotlight Star Wars to join the conversation. Until next time, this has been Spotlight Star Wars on Force Center. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.